Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Please be seated. Good morning. Man, that sounds really, really good. We are so happy to have you visiting here with us today. We have plenty of visitors. Let me encourage you at this time, if you've gotten one of those packets, uh, to move your attendance card toward the aisle, and there'll be some gentlemen to come around and pick those up for you in just a moment. Uh, we'd like to have a record of your attendance, and we're grateful that you are here with us today. We're so thankful that we get the opportunity today uh, to come here together with each other and to, to strengthen ourselves that way. But more importantly, we have the opportunity to come here today and to worship our God. Let's go the right way, Billy. We'll be doing okay then. There you go. So last week we started the idea of what does it really mean to be a disciple? And we looked at the idea of following after one thing or another and that we can be disciples really uh, of anything. We made mention how Michael is a disciple of the Atlanta Braves, who are doing very well. How I am a disciple of the New York Yankees, who are not doing very well. Hopefully we'll turn those things around. Today we want to ask our question, what does it then take to be a leader? The church would fall apart if it did not have Christians, obviously, the church would be non-existent without Christians. God has instilled in His plan for the church throughout the history of time that someone's going to have to be uh, leading the charge. And in order to do that, in order to be a leader, I first have to know how to be a follower. You know, there was a place where I worked one time where we were entertaining the thought of installing some elders. And there was a gentleman there who, as you look through the criteria of eldership, he, he would fit. There was one big problem. Nobody there wanted him to be an elder. They, nobody wanted to follow him. And so, here's what you have. If you can't have people follow you, then you can't lead them. If you don't know how to follow, you can't lead them. And a person can be faithful to God without ever being a leader of the eldership in a local congregation. As a matter of fact, when we think about this idea of leadership, our minds, somewhat trained, automatically go to either 1 Timothy 3 or Titus chapter 1 or 1 Peter chapter 5, where you and I find the qualifications of an elder. And that's not where we're going today. So erase those things out of your mind. That's, that's not where we're going today. It's more than just being a, an elder of part of the eldership of a local congregation. It's more than that. I can lead at home and, and 
as the father of the house, I really not only ought to be leading at home, but I have a directive from God to be the leader at home. I, I can lead my friend group. I can lead when we go, what we say, into the real world where Michael and I don't work. You know, you go out there and you, you are uh, amongst those living in the world, and, and so you have an influence that necessarily he and I don't have. But every one of those places require good, strong, healthy leaders. Leadership can have its positives and its negatives. It's, it's very fun to be head of the house and say, we're going to do this or that when everybody's on board and everybody wants to go to the same place on vacation. It's very easy, isn't it? It's a whole different thing to say, listen, this is where we're going to worship because this is going to strengthen us the best. This is going to help us as a family the best, and perhaps not everybody in that group is really on board with that. It has positives and it has negatives, and today we're going to look at both sides of that argument and kind of where they, where they fit in. Let's look at a positive leader. We can look at David in 1st and 2nd Samuel and in 1st Kings. As we overview his life, I want you to notice first that when you read of any other king in the books of 1st Kings and 2nd Kings, every time you read of them, the comparison and the standard of if they are a good king or not is David. Something along the lines of this phrase, and he followed after the footsteps of his father, David, or he did not follow after David, lets us know what kind of person he was, what kind of king he was. It didn't start with David when he was a king. It didn't start at that point. It started with David in good leadership when, when he was a shepherd. Can you imagine being out on those, those rolling hills there that, that are somewhat covered with uh, vegetation, somewhat, and you are a teenage boy, and you are responsible for keeping a herd of 100 or 200 or even 300 sheep, number one, alive, and number two, taken to where they're supposed to go? The, the, the life of a shepherd is not an easy life. He is constantly having to take care of veterinary things with, with the animals. He's constantly having to make pens everywhere they go to keep them uh, entangled for the night. You know, it's Jesus who would say, uh, who, what kind of shepherd has 99 sheep and one, or 100 sheep and one go astray? That he doesn't leave everything that he has and go find that one sheep? That's a good shepherd, isn't it? Why do we build those things so that we can keep those sheep exactly where they're supposed to be? He would, like many other of those shepherds, have a door built or a gate built in that particular facility that he would build. And as every sheep would come through, they would stop right in front of him. 
And he would start at their ears and begin to touch them and feel about their bodies to see if there were any cuts or scrapes or, or perhaps uh, that there be any sort of parasites on them. He's going to remove all of those things. If they have something caught up in their wool, he's going to take all those things out. Why? Who's checking up on him to do that? Nobody. But he understands that the journey from point A to point B, if the sheep looks fantastic when it leaves point A, and you have driven it to point B, and that sheep just looks terrible, has 70,000 cuts, and it looks like it's just about ready to die, that whoever's checking those sheep into point B is going to look right at you and say, what did you do or not do? There is coming for those sheep and for that shepherd the day of judgment where that, that person really judges that sheep. Is it good? Is it bad? David, as he lives in the life of a shepherd, knows that day is coming every time he leaves out. And while, while no one may be there to be on him every moment of the day, he has a responsibility. And he knows that if this job doesn't get done, it's because he didn't do those things. One of those positive aspects of being a leader that he learns as a shepherd is self-reliance. There comes a point in time in David's life as the king where he says, listen, if nobody else does this, if nobody else follows after God, I'm going to. He has a self-reliance on, on what he knows and who he knows to be God. And because of that, he can look at them and say, I'm going to follow God as a sheep would follow the shepherd. When we look at David in a positive leadership role, we see him as the king. And David always had a great life as king. True or false? False. David never made any mistakes. He never sinned. He was the perfect man. True or false? False. There's only one perfect man. That would be Jesus the Christ. There's a reason why David is the standard, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And as you and I look at him as the king, we see him making decisions to put Israel and the best for Israel first. He wants Israel to succeed. When David takes the throne, there's something phenomenal that happens and starts with David and really runs through Solomon also. It's known as the, uh, the golden age of Israel. You know, when, when Jesus would be on earth and the disciples say, are, are you going to establish the kingdom now? That's the kingdom they were talking about. We want that one that David and Solomon had. That one where they had so much money that they couldn't do anything with it. Back in Alabama, we say this, they had more money than they had since. Do y'all know what that is? Oh, yeah. We want all this money flowing in. We want to be the superpower. We want everyone to, to look at us. And that starts with the king. He decides to make uh, Israel his priority. And he does that consistently throughout his life. We can't talk about him being king without talking about problems. Israel had problems. 
You know why Israel had problems? Same reason why the church has problems today, because there are folks in it. You know, and when, when you have people there, you have problems. Israel had problems. And sometimes those problems were the, the result of the king. If you look in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, you find her at the very outset minding her own business. And I'm not sure that Bathsheba was bathing in a manner to which she wanted everyone to see. I'm not sure she was putting herself on display. But I am sure of this. He stopped. And not only would Second uh, Samuel tell us he stopped, but that he lingered at the stair, that he saw her, and that caught his eye, and then he kept on seeing her. Then a whole myriad of problems happened. Did you know in between chapter 12 and chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, there are about 13 months of time that pass. In between the fact that, uh, that David and Bathsheba, David sees Bathsheba and they um, come together and, and he kills her husband and all those things till the point where she has moved into the castle and everything is going uh, as they would think lovely. Thirteen months. Thirteen months of whispering in the corner. Did you see that? You see her? Thirteen months of, yeah, we know how she got here. Thirteen months of David exhibiting how hard-headed he could be. It was not until the preacher came, Nathan, and said, let me tell you a story about some sheep. Tells him that story, makes him realize that, that he's in the wrong, or makes him realize rather that he needs to get out of the wrong. He knew he was in the wrong the whole time. Now, what makes David the standard in the, in the king, in the shepherd, in the father is not that he would not sin and he would not ever do anything that would be opposed to what God said, but rather when he was faced with the truth, he would true, choose truth over David. He would choose what was necessary over what was desired. And because of that, he becomes the standard. Because of that, he becomes the one to which God would say, this is a man after my own heart. David's a positive leader. Not that he did everything exactly right, but that he, he was seeking and continually seeking after truth. Now I want you to look at yourself whether you're in your friend group or your family group, whether you're at work, are you continually seeking what's true? Are you a good leader? Don't answer out loud. Just think to yourself. 
Notice this. Let's look at a neg- negative leader. 1 Kings chapter 12. You run into a guy by the name of Jeroboam. Now, when you run into Jeroboam and Rehoboam, that's, that's the key for you to understand that this is the point at which Israel and Judah split. This is the point where, where the United Kingdom of Saul, David, and Solomon has done all it can do and, and the nation's torn apart. And we have Jeroboam in the north. And what he knows is Israel belongs to Jeroboam. Right there's your problem. You see it? Right in that sentence. Do you see that problem? I don't care what kingdom you're talking about on this earth. They all, every one of them, belong to God. And here Jeroboam sees that he has the opportunity to be in full control. November, I had an opportunity to see his full control. To, to, to be right there where... He said, you know, Jerusalem is pretty restrictive. Judaism is pretty restrictive. And so, because of that, let's put in Beersheba to the south and in Dan to the north. Let's put places where people can gather and worship uh, God or whatever gods they want to. So we're walking up this hill in Dan. If you ever think that Israel is like a big desert, then you're thinking of the southern part of it. The northern part looks very much like Arkansas. It's very green. So walking up this hill, we don't notice anything. And I... If I were a studious man or uh, even a prepared person, I probably would have looked at on the schedule where we were going. But I did not do that. What I did is I got to the place and they said, this is so-and-so. And I went, oh yeah, I know where that's at. And I would flip through in my head where we are. And so I'm walking up this hill and we're, we're look, going to look at this place. And I'm thinking First Kings chapter 12. Get to, a, get to a cleared off spot in a rolling hill. If you look over the hill, you can see, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, you see another country. It's only 195 of them in the world. Maybe I get it right here. We come upon this structure that's made out of aluminum so it won't rust. And it's seven, maybe eight feet tall. And it's 15 or 20 feet wide. It's just a big, big, giant square. And it has that look of it at, on the top where it looks like an altar. And this structure, this aluminum structure, had been built on top of the foundation of that particular altar to scale. It was a gigantic place. It was a beautiful 
beautiful uh, looking into the, the hills there. Pretty place. And Jeroboam is now in full control. As he said, God's plans are okay, but there's this problem. Because he thinks Israel is his, because he is in, as we would say, full control and he can do whatever he wants to, he forgets about that day where he would stand before the king of kings. He has bought into the hype that Jeroboam is everything. And he has said, not only will Israel work, but also Beersheba and Dan. This man is dangerous. And he ought not be the leader. And yet this is the one they chose. The man is scary because he said, God really doesn't control everything. How do you know that? Because I'm going to put a, an altar here and here. And Israel just flocked to those things. And because they did not have a good, strong leader, when he decides to change, they decide to go right down that same path with him. You know the difference between a good leader and a bad leader? Is they know who's in charge. They know ultimately who's in charge. They know uh, exactly what could be changed if, it, if we wanted to and exactly what ought never be tampered with. And, and what Jeroboam has decided is I can change anything and everything. What, a, what an awful thought that is. What an awful thought for a leader to have to say, I'm just going to change it. I don't particularly care for that. Fast forward to this day in this room. If we were to roll some instruments of music in here, you guys would lose your mind, right? Shake your head this way, yes. And that's a good thing. If we were to change any of it, would it matter? If we were to maybe not sing, or if, if we say, well, you, you just pray on your own, you pray for what you need to, and we didn't do it collectively as a group. Or if we said, if the eldership said, just, uh, just take that uh, Lord's Supper with you, you know, or do it whenever. You know which one we never change, by the way? Even in the religious world, the one aspect of worship that never changes is putting that check in that basket. It's going to stay there. We can't change what God has put in His design. Let, let me retract that statement and remake it. We can't change what God has put in His design and be faithful to Him. We can't do that. We can change it to, to whatever we want to. But no, you, you better know. You had better know you're going to stand before Him and give an answer for it. Are you a positive leader in your life or a negative leader for the folks in your life? David knew how to follow 
He understood how those things worked. He understood how the hierarchy of man worked and how actually at the tip top of that pyramid, that man still looks up to God. And Jeroboam knew how to please. There's a difference. There is a difference, my friends. There is a difference. There's just a difference. The difference in obeying God, following God, doing what God says, and just making everybody happy. Jeroboam knew how to say yes. Well, we don't want to go to Israel. How about Beersheba? You want to go down there? We don't want to go to Israel. That's a long way. How about Dan? What if you went there? Oh, yeah, that'd work easy. One of these men on this screen was the standard that God used to judge the other kings. The other man is a man who's grasping and trying to stay in power and please the masses. Have you figured this out yet? In the climate, in the, in the political world in which we live, you can't please everybody? You figured that out yet? Have you figured this out? Even within the church here locally, you can't please everybody? We must, must follow God. That is the standard. Let's look at some lessons about leadership because really we look at those two guys, David and Jeroboam, and I, I hesitate to ask this question, but I'm going to. Just raise your hand on up if you're a king of a country. So, you know, we kind of look at that and we say, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me, does it? Well, there's some things. Number one, if you want to learn how to be a leader, then learn how to follow. Learn how to follow. Number two, if you want to be a leader, learn how to make your life mission to follow God. Following just anything won't work. Making my life's mission to follow after God is where we find it. Number three, if you want to learn a lesson about leadership, here it is. You and I and everyone sitting in their own seats, we all have an opportunity to lead somebody somewhere. Well, well I, I don't get to lead uh, 500 people or do you have one? Do you know one person who tends to look up to you? Do you know one person who wants to hang out with you? Do you know one person who enjoys your company? Shake or not. Yeah? Do they know about Jesus the Christ and the sacrifice he made for them? Or are you just hoping they'll find that out some other kind of way? Be the leader that takes the opportunity to lead them to Christ. Now... You are the best leader that they possibly can have. However, they're not going to do much with that leadership if you're not doing much with it. That is, if you're not following after God faithfully, they're not going to see any need to do that. So make sure you're following after God, number two, in order to accomplish number three. All of these kind of build on each other. Learn how to follow, learn how to follow God, learn how to lead somebody to God. You see how they all fall toward each other? Notice this one. 
it's, it's necessary for you and I to lead everyone we can and anyone we know to Jesus the Christ, who's never had that opportunity. Isn't that the leader you want to be? Isn't that the person that you want to be? Uh, that, that when people look at you and, and, and in your life, they say, let me tell you something about this guy. I was in a spot that was hopeless and lost. And he's the one that pointed me toward the right. Don't you want to be that guy? Oh, we're so caught up and I want to be uh, known for this and seen as that. And I want to have this. Ultimately, it's all going to come to naught when we die. But what will not is the leadership that I have toward my friends, toward my family, toward my co-workers, and even in the Lord's church. And it all starts with learning how to follow. Have you followed Jesus the Christ? Have you followed His life and His will where, where He would put everything that He would want aside in order to follow God? Have you followed that? You say, Preacher, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, talking about God's plan of salvation, and it's, it's pretty simple. Have you heard what He has to say? Do you know what God wants you to do? You find that in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. Have you repented of your sin, Luke 13, 3 and 5? Have you changed the way you look at sin that will change the way you walk in your life? Have you confessed the name of Jesus the Christ? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, all of those things being done through the avenue of faith, Hebrews 11 and verse number 1. And would you by faith then be baptized in water for the remission of your sins? Romans 6, 1 through 4. That's what... The Bible means when it speaks of God's plan for man, following after God, being obedient toward God, would you do those things? And some of you look at me and say, well, preacher, I've already done those things. Well, great. Are you a good leader or a bad leader? And you say, oh, I don't really want to answer that question. Are you going to have to answer it? See, you'll either answer it today or you'll answer it on that fateful day. And wouldn't you rather have it right now than have to face it then? Why not be a good leader? Why not be one who can follow God's plan and one who can lead others to follow God's plan? Where are you? Do you need to come home? If you do so, let me invite you to come now while we stand and while we sing.